three. You're listening to Sports Talk Chicago with your host, John Zaglul. John, I am fantastic. Thank you for having me. You got an awesome voice, man, and that was a terrific <laughs> intro. You're like a pro's pro. You know, that was the first time somebody ever said that, John. No, you're the first person to ever say anything like that. That's, that's very interesting. You got it, John. Anything for a fellow Chicago guy? <laughs> well, what a great question. That's a great question. Nobody's actually asked me that. <laughs> I like it. What a great question. I never heard that before. Chase, wait, wait, Chase Sully is what? You're saying he's not a Hall of Fame candidate? You know, it's it's funny. I, I, You may be the only person that I've heard make that connection. Thank you, John, for having me. I'm doing great. By the way, you have an outstanding voice. I'm not sure about your face because I haven't met you, but your voice is great. You're doing a much better job than I ever did. You've had some heavy hitters uh, guests on too, man, so keep up the good work, but it's good to be with you, and I'm ready to talk sports. Hello, everybody, and welcome into Sports Park Chicago. My name is John Zaglou. Great to have you here. Today's edition of the program, we have some big news about the Bears. Anthony Miller and Matt Nagy are involved. We'll break it all down in just a second. Plus, a brand new interview today with Mike Harmon, the national Fox Sports radio host. We talk with him extensively about the Bears and White Sox, plus his career and his recent trip to Chicago. That all comes up near the midway point of this show. Before we get started, make sure you follow me on Twitter and Instagram at John Z Sports and on Facebook at John Zaglou. You can watch more of this show. Search up Sports Talk Chicago, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, sportstalkchicago.com. I want to start today with this. Learning is always important. Sounds pretty cliche, pretty obvious, but if you're not learning, you're falling behind, right? You're not making an effort each and every day to get better at something. Whether it be personal or work-related, you're falling behind. You're not getting better. You're regressing. And eventually, if you're regressing too much, you're going to be fired. You're going to be out of a job. You're going to be useless to everybody. Just how it works. Look at how many players the Bears have cycled through over the years for regression. Jay McClellan. Kevin White, well, he regressed already, right off the bat. <laughs> There's so many guys we could name who were up for a little bit then eventually came crashing down. People who got worse over time and had to go, whether it was their fault or through no fault of their own. Jordan Howard regressed, but it wasn't necessarily his fault. It was the offense that was put into play, and it was Matt Nagy and his reluctance to use Montgomery. Allen Robinson, same thing last year. Clear regression. Was it actually his fault, though? No. Matt Nagy sabotaged him. In some cases, though, especially with recent memory players on the Bears, regression was caused by personal choice. Regression was caused by an unwillingness to learn more, to get better. And at the end of the day... These players that we're talking about are out of a job. One in particular that I really want to profile is Anthony Miller. Anthony Miller's career is just complicated, to say the least. The Bears obviously drafted him as a second-round wide receiver. He was supposed to be something spectacular for this Bears team, something that could anchor and help out Mitch Trubinsky, and even Justin Fields, too. It didn't work. Miller had a good rookie year. He consistently got worse and worse. He dropped more footballs. He had more issues on and off the field. Could not control his temper. Team cancer on the gridiron. All of this eventually led to the Bears getting rid of him and sending him off to Houston. According to a story by Eric Lambert on Sports Mockery, though, there's some more news about why it didn't work for Anthony Miller. And this is also a quote from Dan Pompey from The Athletic. Quote, Not much was expected of Darnell Mooney as a rookie, as Robinson and Anthony Miller, a second-round pick the year before, were supposed to be the producers. But as Anthony Miller drifted through meetings, Mooney kept raising his hand and asking pertinent questions. 
He started playing split end and took it upon himself to learn all three receiver spots. His diligence was rewarded with nine starts and 61 receptions, a Bears rookie record. What's more, he won the respect of his teammates as they voted him the winner of the Piccolo Award. That was a quote from Dan Pompey. Darnell Mooney cared about learning. That's why Darnell Mooney, more than anything, is a successful NFL wide receiver. I'm not going to sit here and tell you he's a number one. We've gone through this debate back and forth. But Darnell Mooney is a solid number two, a definite, more than definite number three. A number three would be underrating him. He's a very good wide receiver. As a fifth-round pick, how do you explain it? Because he gives a damn about what he does. He gives a damn about his work. He cares. He asks questions. He's curious. He's not a static player. Oh, I'm only going to play here, and that's it. I know nothing else. Nope, he learned all three positions on purpose in case he was needed. All he tried to do was get on the field, and it worked. you got to love that mindset. I love players like that. When I used to play baseball, you'd see some players, they'd play every position. They didn't care. Coach would tell them, hey, you play third base? I guess I do now. Let's get going. Here we go. Right? You learn it. Whatever you can do to get into the game, you do. You learn. You get better. At the end of the day, it's only going to help rather than hurt. I love that mentality. That is Darnell Mooney. Here is Anthony Miller. I'm not going to learn. I'm going to be lazy. I don't give a damn about my work. I'm going to drift through meetings, whatever that means, probably sleeping through some of these things. And when I get on the field, I'm going to play a lot, but I can't even catch the football. I have butterfingers. That's Anthony Miller. And that's why he didn't work. There was a report that Anthony Miller was sabotaged by Matt Nagy. Well, I don't doubt it. It was not at the level of Mitch Trubisky, Alan Robinson, Jordan Howard. Not even close. At least those guys gave it their all. Actually cared. <laughs> Anthony Miller did not. And he was rewarded for that effort of being shipped out. Lambert went on to say, quote, When it came to studying film and fine-tuning his route running, Miller didn't cut the mustard. That would explain why the coaching staff grew increasingly frustrated with him by the start of 2020, and it also explains why Darnell Mooney surpassed him so quickly in the wide receiver hierarchy. There you go. The coaches actually trusted Mooney more than Miller. And Mooney was a fifth-round pick in his rookie year. Miller was a second-round pick in his third year. But they trusted Mooney more. Why? They knew he was willing to work and understand all play concepts. He actually cared. He tried. I don't get it. Maybe I'm ignorant sometimes. Why not just try? What, what's the downside in learning more when you're a National Football League player? What bad thing is going to happen by trying to be a little bit better? Not even a lot. You don't have to be a superstar. You don't have to be Tom Brady. Why not be a middle-of-the-road quarterback who could do something? Same with wide receiver. You don't have to be an Antonio Brown in his prime, a Jerry Rice. You don't have to be that. You could just be fine. I would have taken Anthony Miller getting 750, 800 yards a year. That would have been great. Fine by me. Second round pick. Not going to be a number one. I'm okay with that. But he didn't even do that. And now we have proof and evidence that he didn't even care to try to get better over time. He used what it looks like to me is his pedigree being a second round pick. And it didn't work. That's a problem some of these athletes face once they make it to the big stage. They succeed in high school, peewee ball, college. Why? They're physically more gifted than their opposition. When you make it, though, to the NFL or MLB, NBA, that goes out the window. Physicality does not matter as much, if at all. What matters is, are you willing to put in the work? You're facing other real athletes now. Everybody's even physically. Everybody's the same. What's going to put you apart? What's going to set you apart? Hard work. Knowing plays. Mentally. Being ready. First one in, last one out. That's how it works. Anthony Miller did none of that. And by the way, that's not only an indictment on him. 
That's an indictment on Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy. Crappy draft choice. Know the psyche of the players you're taking. Simple. I wish Miller nothing but the best. I mean, maybe he could do something this upcoming season. Maybe he could change his ways, but he did nothing really last year, anything of significance. I don't expect the tide just to change for him. His choice. He dug his grave. Now he has to lay in it. It's unfortunate because it's a waste of talent. He was, and still very much is, talented. But mentally, he's not there. He does not have the mentality to be a quality NFL wide receiver. It's unfortunate because it's a huge waste of talent. But at the end of the day, mentality means everything. Wanting to learn, having a desire to get better means everything. And for Miller, that's certainly not the case. And now we know more about why he failed here in Chicago. Want to shift to this? Tom Thayer, Bears radio color analyst, made some interesting comments about, you guessed it, my best friend Matt Nagy. Thayer was on Chicago radio, Dago, and he compared Matt Nagy to Terry Shea from 2004. Apparently, the similarities between Nagy and Shea were abundant. Shea failed because he was over-reliant on a bloated playbook. He was focused on, quote, from Eric Lambert, crafting smart plays to outwit the defense, but he never focused on the need for good execution. As a result, the offense was always disjointed and became easy to stop. So Tom Thayer is blaming Nagy and his playbook. Paris has been. Remember, Tom Thayer is a Bears employee. It is a correct statement to make. And a lot of that is true. Bloated playbook. Over-reliance on playbook. That's why everybody said, these plays look great in practice. What's going on now in the game? It's because Matt Nagy cared so much about the static X's and O's. He never made a human element adjustment. This is like in baseball with sabermetrics. There's no human element adjustment. It's like Tony LaRusso. Oh, it's a one-two count. I'm going to walk him. What? The analytics said so. Bullcrap. Wrong. Wrong statement. Same thing here with Nagy. Too analytical, too paralyzed by the analytics. Paralysis by analysis. That was Matt Nagy. That's what they are saying. It's correct, but it's not fully there. How about I take it a step further? Matt Nagy's ego got him fired more than anything. The analytics are wrong. His over-reliance in a playbook is wrong. The way he treated the team in practice versus games, wrong. But you know what? More than anything, Matt Nagy's ego got him fired. Matt Nagy's disrespect of his players got him fired. His kids, not his players, his kids. Switching up Mitch Trubinsky and Nick Bowles, switching them back. Murdering Justin Fields against the Browns. That is what got Matt Nagy fired. And he deserved it. I'm not mad at Tom Thayer for this statement. I just want to take it a step further so you know. Partial truth from Tom Thayer, full truth on this channel all the time. Matt Nagy got fired because he catered to his ego. He is egotistical, he is stubborn, and he apparently enjoys hurting players. Hurting Mitch Trubisky, hurting Allen Robinson, hurting Jordan Howard, hurting coaches in his path to stay on the team. Chuck Pagano. He stand. Offensive line coach. <sighs> Always remember that. I'm not going to sit here 
and just fully agree with Thayer. The fact is, there were other factors that hurt Matt Nagy's career in Chicago. I know some of you are tired about me talking about it, and I'm trying my best to stray away. But I can't just forget now. I can't just say, let's move on yet. I want to see this team play first, see some games to where I could say, you know what, let's focus on Ebert Blues, let's focus on Fields, let's focus on Poles. Some of these players, this horrible wide receiving core, something else. And I really want to. But as of right now, I am still trying to get the bad taste that Matt Nagy left in my mouth out of my mouth. And it's very hard. And it's unfortunate. Really, it's unfortunate that we're sitting at this point today. It's even worse that somehow, some way, he found another job. I'm not against the guy making money and providing for his family. Go do something else. I mean, just stay away from football. You, you ruined the game enough. Just go somewhere else. I don't know. There are tons of things you could probably do. Go to corporate America. You do a great job there. Egotistical, screwing his employees or his clients. He'd do great. Why stay in football? Why ruin other people's careers just for your happiness and pleasure? This has got to stop. I just had to react to that story. Well, it is correct. It doesn't tell the full story. That's why you come here. As Lambert said, the problem is that Nagy threw the entire playbook at the players long before they were ready. Correct. Great in 2018 with... Yes, Mitch Trubisky, then 2019. Let's change everything up. Let's start running end-arounds with Cole frickin' Komet. Cole Komet? End-around? Tight end end-around. Where's that in the Madden playbook? I don't even see that. I've never heard of it. <laughs> Tight end end-around. You'd think wide receiver. Fullback, even. I could see fullback. Tight end. Cole Komet. Why? <laughs> For what reason? He opened up his playbook too much. He laid it on everybody, and then he told everybody, do as I say, even though what he said was unsuccessful and wrong. Egotism. Hubris. Excessive pride. It's the fault of every man and woman. That's a life lesson. And we saw it happen right in front of our eyes with Matt Nagy. Even in sports we see it. Not just in life, in sports we see it. Excessive ego. Willing to non-conform to your players. Being so stuck in your ways for your own image and reputation. It will lead to you being fired. And it goes back to my original point to start off this entire video. You have to be learning. You have to be changing. You have to be hipping on the fly. If you're not, you're behind and regressive. Matt Nagy was never ahead of the game. He claimed he was. He claimed he was Sean McVay 2.0 or Sean McVay light, but he never was. Quarterback guru. No, he wasn't. And he never changed. After 2018, the success that he saw, everybody game planned for it. Then he just decided to call whatever came out of his ass, and it didn't work. And now we sit here today, Barrett fans, with a new head coach again, a new GM, a whole new team. Hope this is a word of wisdom to Matt Eberflus and Luke Getze, Ryan Poles. Make sure that you're willing to change and be fluid a bit, because if you're not, I'll tell you this much, your ass is going to be on the street faster than you think. More to come here on Sports Talk Chicago. My interview with Mike Harmon comes up next, so stay tuned. Sports Talk Chicago. Here with John Zaglul, and we are back and ready for today's special guest. He's a host on Fox Sports Radio, the founder of SwollenDome.com, and the host of the I Want Your Flex podcast, Please welcome Mike Harmon to the program. Mike, it's great to have you on. How are you? My guy, good to be back. Uh, just a whirlwind trip in and out of Chicago and, uh, you know, back to Los Angeles, sorting through my mess and uh, trying to get myself rested and ready for football season. 
how'd the trip back home go? Fantastic. I mean, it was, it's about what, what you could hope. I got to see both ballparks, got to a concert, which was a dis- disappointment. Uh, but also, you know, a lot of food, a lot of walking, a lot, way too much, uh, beer. Uh, I, I actually <laughs> posted a picture of a, a giant PBR can on my Instagram feed to just say, you know, you have to have at least one when you come back to Chicago. Uh, and then a lot of riding around on the trail. Like I, I just go like people like, ah, oh, you're not worried about this. It's, it's home. It's home. Randonimity thing. And look, stuff, stuff's weird, whatever. It's like, I, I got to go see people. And what do you get? A friendly face 98% of the time in Chicago. Bad reputation nationwide. <laughs> what made the concert so bad? Oh, it was just terrible. <laughs> it was the Zach Brown band. I'll call them out full on. I didn't know what to expect. It's not a band that I'd seen, but they were at Wrigley uh, on Saturday. So I'd gotten in earlier in the day. and uh, My brothers, we were able to get tickets and we went and I don't know if he wasn't feeling well. Like, I, I don't want to disparage the, the fans or folks that loved it. The, the highlight of it was the opening act coming out and basically leading you through what was more or less a wedding uh, reception DJ list of 70s classics, which is fine. Everybody's dancing. Everybody's having a good time. It's not what I paid for. It's not, it's not what we showed up for. Right? <laughs> Off the jump. Plays the song. Takes an inter- it takes a uh, you know a couple minutes to talk. They play for a total of about forty minutes. Then there's an, a timed intermission. Timed intermission. Start playing again. Intermission two with a reminder to go to the merch tables. Like what? <laughs> uh, like the whole time. Like and we're looking at each other the whole time. It's like whatever. We're together. We hadn't seen each other in months. It was fun just to be together. We're swapping stories, but the whole time we're paying attention. Acoustics were bad, like from where we were. So I don't know if there's a sweet spot at Wrigley because I've seen a couple of shows there before that didn't have the same same issues. But then, you know, the final act was a, a lot of the covers, which was again fine, but you know, <laughs> not what you anticipated. And then eventually we spilled into the neighborhood and had a good time. But um, yeah, really, really just odd. An odd show, <laughs> we're, you know. Do a little dance, make a little love, get down. That I mean, we're all down with that, but you know, he should have been leading it, <laughs> or or maybe singing something off of what their eight or nine albums they have. <laughs> Did that put a bigger damper on your trip or the the White Sox performances over these past and, couple of weeks? Sox won the day I was there, so okay. you know. I, I got I got to live it up on Sunday. Uh, I love all the little accoutrements and tributes and celebrations to, you know, old Comiskey going past the you know the giant pinwheels and and getting a picture with that and and visiting and and hugging the statues uh, as I want to do. Uh, but yeah, it, it was it was a weird start, but we immediately spilled out to a bar. I uh, had some frustrations because, as you know, I normally do a Sunday morning show for Fox Sports Radio. We had some technology stuff and, and technical issues that didn't allow that to happen, which means we wasted a lot of time trying to make a connection that never happened, which I'll never get back. But that's fine. Again, we're hanging out watching baseball. And that was Saturday's game of the White Sox was uh, annoying as all can be. Sunday, you know, you make the switches you got, the, and, and it gets straight to the heart of the matter in terms of making your adjustments, a scheduled days off versus potentially winning some fans back, right? Pollock comes in and gets a big hit, but it was a situation where we're looking at each other going, I, I know Anderson's got a day off, but a hit here would go a long way to goodwill, not just, you know, one for coming out of the dugout on a scheduled day off and said, I want in, right? They do the intentional walk to Abreu and it's like, all right, Maybe this is a good spot because you can feed some of those storylines. But instead, you know, we, we get the win there. But overall, John, as you know, I mean, just a, a painful first 88 games to watch the ebb and flow and, and look where you're at and wasted opportunities, fundamentals missing, the number of injuries concerning. You don't have your bullpen. Uh, Eloy's hurt again. And what does that mean? So it, it's just a lot of stuff. Who's most to blame right now for their 
issues? I don't know, man. It's 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 hard when your your home run leaders are at eleven. You play ball, <laughs> you hit seventy two home runs. Now you're tied for twenty fifth in Major League Baseball, and I guess you could take some solace that everybody else in the division is down there with you. However, you've got the ballpark that is built on a good day for the ball to fly, and yet. This is this is where you're at. So part of it, roster construction, the fundamentals. I I, I just don't know. Like I mean, and you've watched it. Base running errors, uh, the inability to find a cutoff man. Uh, Anderson, like I, we all know the rumors and and whatever else you stipulate to that. But defensively, the like he looks lost. You got other guys that can't cover any ground and Lloyd to get him into the lineup you put him out there and you just hope your center fielder gets a really good read on the ball fast I don't mean to disparage the guy I'm just calling it what it is like there were a couple plays even on Sunday where you, you could see he was like thankful that Robert sprinted over or whatever to cover him up so and you know so all of those things played through and then obviously Tony's had some issues uh and we'll see if there's a meeting of the minds at the all-star break, right? It's always the question of who do you replace a guy with, but you know, do you need a different voice? Even if it's just to cancel some of the noise, because it seemed like just in the last couple of days while I was in town, almost the, I don't want to call it a gag order, but as you know, you want access. You, you maybe work for the team. You got the kid gloves on, right? Maybe a little sparring gloves. Seems like someone, you know, dropped the flag and allowed folks to start to speak a little bit in terms of decision making and flow. So maybe the door is now open. Who do you think would be a valid replacement if they went that route? That's the problem is like, what do you do? Right. right? You know, the, the John Heyman, Ozzie Gian little feud that sparked up. Heyman said what I think a lot of us have kind of theorized and wondered, not, not about what that, that Guillen's angling for anything, but just from a pure, all right, where's a guy that might be able to connect to this current construction of what those White Sox roster is and fire it up again. And we know what Ozzy is. Not to say that Heyman had any validity of, you know, Ozzy's criticisms, commentary, whatever, being an angling. That's just Ozzy being Ozzy, at least from my estimation, right? One of the one of the great things and, and horrible things that we have is, you know, man, former managers, would-be again managers, players, ex-players, whatever. It's like there's always a, a search for the motive as opposed to, you know, the guy gives us an honest answer, right? I mean, just to take a sidestep into the NBA. Draymond Green, love him or hate him. I feel when he talks, we get an authentic guy. Does he have a, a an old, you know, a bigger play? Sure. But I don't think it's any, any way directs his day to day. Right. I mean, yes, he's got grand ambitions for all these things post playing and even for his final years in the NBA as part of new media. But when it all said done, like he, I think his evaluations on players, opponents, media members he doesn't like, he's telling you what he feels. And I think Ozzy's always been that way as a manager and all these years and every stop. Hell, I got him fired in Florida. So, you know, it's, <laughs> it's that kind of thing, you know, to suddenly think that he's got some big agenda and write a thought piece on that. And look, every, every guy that's, you know, been in the game a long time, like a lot of the insiders and longtime reporters, they've taken a beating the last year or two, you know, throwing stuff up against the wall to see if it sticks, picking fights to get some clout by just going after players, even if there's no validity to it. I don't think this is a case where Ozzy's doing that. Do you think LaRusa sticks around past this season? I don't know past the season, but I think he's there. I don't. I don't think uh, Reinsdorf uh, pulls the trigger here. I'd be surprised, but I don't know who the obvious manager would be, right? And I think that's the problem. You start looking at the bench coaches. Do you recycle guys? Do you do you go down that path and try to cobble it together? Because you're already clearly a, a team that you're trying to figure out what's real, what's imagined, 
in terms of the noise behind the scene. Right. They had the the big win in the second game of the doubleheader, a lot of pointing and laughing and looking around. It's like, all right, what's the message being sent there from the players? Right. Is that to people in particular in the media booths? Is that like we're, we were trying to ascertain that as, as we were sitting around watching it. So I think, I think that's the hardest part, right? You've had so much frustration yet you're still in striking range. You need a couple of guys to get healthy. You need your lefties and your bullpen to get healthy. Maybe you suddenly have a shot, right? Lynn getting healthier. All of these things swirl, and it's a lot of ifs. And that's the hard part is that you're stringing together about 87 ifs, John, to get to the end of the <laughs> Well, the scary part is, too, at least when I see it, is that this team was meant to be done with their rebuild. Now they're done, and yet – the Yankees, other teams in the American League are just leaps and bounds better when it comes to a World Series run or even a deep playoff run. Yeah, part of it is, you know, did you spend money prematurely on guys based on potential, the dirty word that we use here in sports media and and certainly with, you know, kids in school and kids on athletic fields, it's the same thing. But that that is that is the frightening thing, right? The Mets obviously a little change in circumstances that you now bring in an owner who's like, yes, whatever, <laughs> whatever we want to do. It also helps when you've got two of the best pitchers in baseball to front your your rotation, right? And they've done a lot of things right, and and look, as a guy who co-hosts five nights a week with a guy who's a Mets fan, it's the worst. But <laughs> but the Braves you're seeing you're seeing in the rearview mirror right it's that scene in Jurassic Park in the Jeep as they're driving away and they do the great little cinematography thing where they show you the notice on your rear view you know your side views hey by the way caution objects in rear view may be closer than up here uh, so we'll see how the east shakes out but to your point yeah man there there is something to playing in New York that we haven't established in Chicago. And, and it's like, you've got the two coasts, right? People want to go play for the Dodgers, even though the look, and it's funny because when we talk about tax hits and everything else, and I know you've been caught up in some of that there in the state of Illinois, right? Illinois and New York and California, they're all fighting for the lead in that regard yet, you know, trying to figure out how to sell someone on, you know, maybe taking a little less or, or, making their way in right i saw the stat what is it seven playoff appearances in 41 years that's right. that's dreadful with some of the talent that's walked through those doors mike Harmon here on sports talk chicago mike let's talk bears now what do you make of their entire situation up to this point well that's uh that can let me go in a million different directions uh as you and i had met together and and done a few of these during last season uh you know i was no fan of the system approach <laughs> and everything else from matt Nagy. so anything that shuttered that is good the hard part is now determining how far that season set justin fields back like i i still believe the game against Cleveland would constitutes a criminal act in terms of what he allowed to happen to that kid. But coming out of that game, now you're looking at a, a rebuilt receiving core. You bring in Harry. I don't know what he is. I don't think we anybody knows what he is coming out of New England. So, you know, for minimal, minimal compensation, you make a, a pickup. Um, Mooney, all the, all the noise, uh, or I should say the hype train is certainly there right work ethic and rapport with fields and we're going to push that and and we saw a lot that we liked from him last year clearly but now st brown pringle all these guys what do they mean and what's this offense going to be how much of a split do we have between montgomery and herbert uh and defensively how much did you lose right because i think we all everybody was in agreement that there needed to be a shift because guys were getting older but wholesale changes sometimes leads you into some dangerous spots. And so, you know, a lot of it's going to depend on what that secondary can do and looking straight at Quinn and Smith, you know, to be the, the bell cows on that side of the ball to give Eber you know, maybe some opportunities, perhaps we can get back to the days of old of generating turnover, short fields and Justin Fields takes a huge leap. But as it stands, I don't think anybody knows. 
Is this the worst wide receiving core in football? I'd have to go down man for man. I mean, in division, at least on paper, I don't know how much better Green Bay's is. Okay. I mean, I don't know. I mean, the draft, obviously, Watson coming in, everybody's excited, but does do Lazard and those guys scare you? No, the quarterback does. <laughs> Players, right? And look, I, I'm old enough to have watched 30 years of dominance uh, from that position in Green Bay. Hell, even Mikowski had his his run against us. Uh, but yeah, I, it'd be hard pressed to find one that you just say categorically. And I haven't done the the deep dives on it. I'm starting to do the uh, prep for the third season of I Watch Flex. So we'll be getting into that pretty fast here with a couple of drafts coming up and other things. But I, I just don't know that there's, there's outside of what Mooney has shown, make this cold commit. Through three years, you'd say is a great disappointment. A lot of opportunity, a lot of chances to establish himself in games and to make a big catch. And he's either allowed it to be jarred loose or he's just not corralled. And that's the hard part, right? I see him on a lot of breakout lists. Like, what's suddenly changing? <laughs> really? Right. I mean, does Justin Fields throw that much better a ball that's going to hit him in the hands that he's going to keep other? And again, not to disparage the guy, he's an NFL player, but we, we, our job is to honestly assess what we're seeing. I don't think there's anybody that doesn't like the kid. It's just a function of at this point, that's a position when you've got an offense like Nagy was running with Mitchell Trubisky and certainly with Justin Fields taking over that you thought he'd have a huge role. And if he doesn't play that role, the rest of it doesn't work, right? You need your run game and you need that short and intermediate, just, you know, find the sticks, lay down and get up and reset them. And right now they haven't had that guy. How much do you think this will affect Justin Fields' performance and his development in year two? It's hard, right? Because now, now you get into that sticky wicket. Like I've seen all the tags of make it or break it year for Justin Fields. Like, how the hell do we know what he is? I mean, last year was an I mean, failure. Yes, there were times where he looked lost, but I, I'm hard-pressed to put it all on him, right, even as we talked about it. Like, some of the what whatever term you want to throw on it when he's just on the scramble and let's try to make something happen, yeah, there were moments that you wish some of those plays had been better. But was that him? Was that the receiver? Or was that you had a coaching staff that knew the writing was on the wall and, and did him a disservice, right? So I, I don't know how you fairly evaluate when you don't have a true number one guy. Like you need a guy that you could just say, whatever whatever the circumstance, I can stick it, stick it into this guy, right? I, I think across the league, that's why the Raiders, you have Derek Carr was a 70% completion rate. Did he have a go-to guy? Well, Waller, but then he got hurt. So you bring in Devontae Adams, him, Hunter Renfro, and 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 the aforementioned Waller, all of a sudden it's like, hey, we've got some excitement here. But Komet hasn't been that guy to be a three. Mooney showed flashes, but can he become that guy? Maybe. And if he does, and like everybody's trying to sell Jones as, as high, high as they can, but when you're as an organization, like, and I know it's a new regime, but when the draft has not necessarily been your friend for a very long time, it's it's hard to be anything more than skeptical, especially in a division that is right now really good, right? Look at what Detroit's bringing on their roster. Now, everybody will laugh and say it's still the Lions. Go look at what they have on both sides of the ball right now. Jared Goff is any semblance of the guy he – and I think he's vastly – uh, underrated as as a player and now maybe you've got an, an opportunity for him to to make it work um you, you got players in minnesota obviously you don't have mike zimmer to screw up late game situations anymore so and you're always chasing green bay no matter what so it's <laughs> a tough road it's a tough road even in the best of circumstance i appreciate you talking about cole Komet. it seems like as we kind of 
alluded to before, he gets a lot of praise, but really there hasn't been much evidence for any of that praise. Last year he had 545 receiving yards, but no touchdown catches. I don't know how that's going to improve this year with Justin Fields, even with a new offense, if he can't hold on to the football either. Well, it becomes a trust issue, right? I mean, if you got a guy that in tight quarters, tight spaces, isn't a go up and get a guy, which he hasn't been, right? Again, alluding back to the number one guy, just throw it. With your tight, tight end supposed to be the quarterback's best friend, right? If you're a young quarterback, developing quarterback, and then obviously we've got these unicorns out here and Kelsey and 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 the aforementioned Waller or whatever. But if if you don't have that trust that he's going to hang on to the ball, how do you do that in a tight situation in a red zone opportunity? Which, unless something dramatically changed for the Bears, have been few and far between most games. Right. You're probably looking more to your secondary tertiary guys, but he's not much of a decoy in that respect. So has it become more of fields with his legs? Has it become more of, all right, how creative can you get with the short passes and little in routes and whatever with your, your speedsters? I, I don't know. It's 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 hard. And Komet, everything's there physically. Right. It's, it seems like it should be a done and easy deal, yet to this point it hasn't clicked. What do you expect out of Fields himself now in year two? I'm excited to see, you know, what, what's what been unlearned from the bag. <laughs> I, I, sorry, John, I had to do it. I had to do it. Uh, no, but, I mean, he's a guy that we, we saw can, can make any throw, and now it's the, all right, do you get that timing to actually just let it go? Right, because there were numerous times last year, and again, you don't have the separation that you're used to from the college team you played for. I mean, that's part one, and learning, you know, that difference, the game speed, and all that other fun stuff. No matter how elite uh, you were, you had wide receivers that were generally outrunning guys. So now it's the trusting yourself to make a throw. And there were times last year where it would maybe flash open or at least for us, right? Cause we're getting that great bird's eye view. Uh, it's like trying to learn how to referee games, John, maybe someday you'll have to do that where they give you all these simulations and you're basically like in an owner's box. So it's very easy to see what's happening and to, Oh yeah, clear. That's this. And, and then you get on a field and all of a sudden you run around and you know, everybody wants you dead because you're screwing everything up. What? <laughs> Same thing with quarterback play, right? It's easy for us to look as like, oh, this guy flashed, this guy did that. Hopefully in, in year two, he he trusts himself more to to make the throw, right? And try to throw a guy open if need be or fire it. Look, you got to be willing to take chances, right? I, I'm all for, you know, the high touchdown to interception ratios, but I think it's a false false narrative in a lot of respects of what happens, right? Ask Aaron Rodgers if he'd, like to, if he'd like to take a couple more chances in the playoffs, in hindsight. Your QBR or whatever don't mean a damn thing when you're home watching TV with the rest of us. Some choice words there, but that's 100% true at the end of the day, especially when you get into these late-season situations, when you need a win, when you need to make a throw downfield. At the end of the day, there are some quarterbacks in the NFL, Kirk Cousins sometimes could be labeled as another, they have these high sure. passer ratings, and that's great. But if you're not taking bigger risks late in games when your team needs you, what does it matter? No, that's it, right? And a lot of it comes down to situational football. And hopefully you're in enough games late to where you get to learn on the fly. For Justin Fields, I think a lot of it is is going to come down to his decision-making and how quickly he processes things. And I, we're not going to know until, you know, the, the fire starts in September, right? You know, we're not going to get a read and everybody will either do their hit pieces out of training camp or their sales jobs somewhere between. Uh, you might find a few, but really all, all eyes are on the receiving core, right? They add Nikhil Harry and well, what do you see? All right, how does this help anything, right? It's it's all about, you know, you got to set a guy up for success. And at least right now, you know, just saying, hey, we had a guy who performed well here. This guy was a first-round pick. That that means nothing, right? As soon as they reset, it's like Baker Mayfield going down to Carolina. Being number one overall pick and leading the Browns to a playoff berth two years ago doesn't mean a damn thing at this point. He's in competition for a job. Justin Fields, your first-round draft pick, 
right? Heavy wears the, you know, he wears the crown, right? Because the criticism is going to be swift if it doesn't work. The question is, you know, did you need to bring in an offensive guy or did you just decide the, to do the old things? Like, well, we had an offensive guy at Nagy and that, I mean, it got you to the playoffs twice, right? Because I always have to do that because people that stand for him want to put that up there. Like, know who left. Mitchell did that twice too, pal. Uh, so, but it's it's now that question of all right, you go defense with Eberflus, and and obviously, I know I know folks and and my partner Bucky Brooks on on Sunday played the league scout works over at NFL.com NFL Network. He's very effusive with the praise for how Eberflus is running things and what he wants his squad to be. So at least right now, you've got to give the benefit of the doubt that that's going to translate if not into wins, but like we were talking about with the White Sox, at least from a fundamental standpoint, there seems to be a game plan. Last year, I defy you to tell me what the Bears game plan was in any given. I have no idea what it was. It was switching quarterbacks each and every week and uh, playing to Matt Nagy's strengths, not the quarterbacks leading all those losses. I think that was the plan. The plan was to cater to Matt Nagy. Well, that's it, right? And <laughs> towards the end, I mean, I don't, I don't, I, my blood pressure is going to go up. I'm supposed to test it here in a minute, but the, <laughs> just a failure. So I, I'm hopeful for Justin Fields, but overall optimism of what it means for a squad. What are we looking at? Seven and 10? At if, best. We're, if we're honest, if we're honest with ourselves, it's a six or seven win team as currently constructed, unless there's absolute magic on that defense that creates scoring opportunities. How patient are you willing to be with Fields? I mean, let's say it's the wide receiving court, right? Not Fields himself. How do you distinguish between the two and then assign well, that, blame? But that's the biggest, biggest question mark, right? When you bring in a, an assembly of guys like this, you know, how much is the quarterback's got to make these guys better versus they're just guys, right? To use the old Mike Mayock term, you know, you got a, a collection of Jags, <laughs> just a guy, and there's a lot of them. And I think Mooney has a chance, like I said, to, to be something. But if he doesn't have one of these other guys step up into a more prominent role, what is that going to mean? All right, he's doubled, and now you got to go figure out, right, can Jones come in, you know, out of college and immediately become a, a big-time contributor, right? Because everybody there in Chicago, but just nationally, now the narrative is, well, wide receivers step right in. My colleague Jason Smith does it all the time. Like, not all of them. Just because one or two guys do on the right team in the right circumstance, I mean, all these guys just step in and become stars immediately. Think about Kevin White. Oh, that's just a recent example for the Bears. Look at you. You went straight to the heart of it. Guy <laughs> couldn't stay healthy, get right, do all these things. Just. But, but there's a lot of circumstances that, that need to go right for a, a first-year guy to make plays. And, and you don't have the team. A lot of those are being absorbed by teams that already have a base. Bears don't have a base, right? You know, we, we talk about folks want to bring up Justin Jefferson in division. Okay. You had Stephon Diggs. You had Adam Thielen. You had – Good running backs. You had cousins. What am I missing? Like, we don't have any of that. <laughs> right? Like, and even if Thielen's decreasing and injuries are a bigger issue, you know what? I'll still take him on as a sit-down receiver you got to pay attention to. And a guy that's going to dominate you in the red zone in short yardage situations. Bears have none of that. So thinking that suddenly there's a guy that's just going to plug in and that's going to be the missing piece. And I hope he is. I, I, I really do. I, I, hope, I hope he comes in and he's flying up and down the field and they open things up. But I don't think that's what Eberflus is going to run. What do you expect out of, the, I guess, the Bears offense and their defense? What do you expect out of their overall performance here? Well, performance. I can go into the whole Tommy Lasorda rant. <laughs> uh, he hit three home runs off us. Uh, all related to Dave Kingman. You can go back and find the YouTube clip. It's about as good as it gets. Um, yeah, that's just it. You're hoping. It's all wishing and hoping right now. I, I would expect defense to play well. You've got enough big-time players to, to go at it. And a, and a secondary, 
that's while you lost some components, like I'll, I'll take Eberflus's ability to coach that side of the ball, and I'll at least give him the benefit of the doubt there. But from the offensive side, where do you find a playmaker? I love David Montgomery, but you saw what he did last year behind a bad offensive line, right? Mm-hmm. You're hoping for he or Herbert to break a big play. It's not a way to run an offense, right? I mean, you you need – if it's slow and methodical, it's slow and methodical, but it's always moving forward. Last year was just a disaster you know, on all fronts. I mean, what do you average? Three point eight per carry, right around there. Right, it was just under a lot four. Of time hitting the back, so you know, are you better up front? In theory, in theory, right? I mean, you you hope there's no no you know backward steps there, but offensively, I I really have no no idea what you can expect on a game to game basis. Because again, you're you're also trying to figure out: Do you have a home run hitter beyond Mooney? Does his route tree continue to develop, where he becomes a go-to guy? And I think Cole Komet is the giant question mark in the room. Because if he plays well and and becomes the guy they expect him to be, well, now it opens everything else up. So, yeah, all that to say is, I'll be the first honest guy you'll ever talk to. I don't know, John. <laughs> More to come with Mike Harmon in just a moment. Stay tuned. This is Sports Talk Chicago. The reviews are in. Amish Country Farms is the place to be. Cute store, friendly staff, and amazing products, says Jessica. Highly recommend trying the milk, says Dan. So nice to have real homemade food so close to home, says Nicole. It's true. All of our food is locally sourced from the Amish of Northern Indiana. It's fresh, authentic, and tastes out of this world. Visit our store today at 17843 South Wolf Road in Orland Park, or give us a call at 708-864-8100. Amish Country Farms. It's not organic, it's Amish. Mike Harmon still with me on Sports Talk Chicago. Mike, a few more questions before we finish up. First off, your go-to spot in Chicago is what? I had to go to Rick Abenis. Rick Abenis. Okay, yeah. What'd you get? Uh, uh, as big a breaded steak sandwich as they'd feed me. <laughs> and then my eyes were too big for my stomach. I've gotten soft out here in California. While I haven't lost bulk, the ability to power down the giant sandwich certainly was lost although i did feel pretty good that you know i'm not, I'm not a small man by any proportions but i was sat sat there and and you know ate my food and i was coordinating with you know some, my brothers about what the night was going to become and and going back and forth on some stuff the only person i saw there that was clearly in better shape than me was the 12 year old girl that came in with her family so I, I felt like I was a good company, uh, at least in terms of, you know, the folks that that are there, as well as, you know, a lot of the city's finest. I didn't ex- include them in the general pop there. But, you know, when whenever you see, you know, the city tags on, you know, the the shirts or firefighters and, and police officers coming in, I, I love, you know, the neighborhood style. Uh, I know there's been a lot of lists that talk about. You know, like they discovered it like they're Magellan or something. It's like things been in the neighborhood since the 40s for crying out loud. Come on, get over yourselves. But yeah, that I needed to make the pilgrimage there. We went back and forth on social media. I got to figure out a how to make it or how to get it airlifted to me. <laughs> what about in L.A.? Is there an equivalent to Rick Benny's or is there anything like that for you out there? Oh, that that's if there is, I, I think I would have ferreted it out by now but <laughs> so I, I had a friend send me a, re- a recipe to try to make similar so we'll see if we can pull that off but you know I, I have had the blessings there is uh down near Disney and Knott's and all the theme parks in Buena Park there is a Portillo's that wow. exists so we've been able to my, my daughters and I it's it's become kind of a regular thing of getting the car whatever's on their playlist one or the other gets control we do the sing-along we sit in the parking lot after we get our food listen to the music eat in the car and then we look at each other go all right and then we drive back so, <laughs> all, 
two hour plus experience together. But you know, I, I'm not a I was never a huge hot dog guy, but uh Portillo's opening nearby converted. There's also a, a Geno's near my studio in Sherman Oaks. So a little bit of home has found me bit by bit. <laughs> So that that's good, and and I think more and more you're you're seeing a, a little bit of a, a change and an embracing of different styles, which is good. You ever see yourself working out here in Chicago again someday? It's my obligatory if ask. Opportunity presented itself, near or short term. Obviously, short term, I've got family commitments and things that need to happen, and. And obviously, I love my work at Fox Sports Radio. Like, if obviously things, and I said obviously 17 times, so take a drink, uh, is if we can make those things connect to where everybody plays nice sandbox, I mean, that would be the ideal world. And, and radio has taught us we can do things virtually between Zoom uh, and Comrex units and whatever. I understand local needs button seat for shaking hands, kissing babies purposes, but they also do make airplanes that allow you to get back to handle such things. So I don't know if this is an audition as I'm saying this and answering this, but uh, the, I, you know, I never did local radio. I never did local radio straight in when I was working at Yahoo and started doing um, segments in different markets as we were starting to build out our sports team. I was there right after they launched the sports product, maybe two months and they were starting to build their own, fa- like they had licensed all the fantasy and whatever. And they had a shell, but then it was, all right, now we're really going to go into sports as a vertical. And started working, and I was behind the scenes doing all the messaging for the fantasy games and the all the media properties. So if you had a problem with the site, you probably read a help page I wrote. If you then sent a question to customer support, you probably got something that I scripted that our guys sent back out or that I sent out personally. And then there was an opportunity to do some promotion for a um, deal with a bunch of DJs, right? For a fantasy league. So the winner was going to get a bunch of money to their charity. Pretty cool. And they decided instead of spending random, random money, because at that point we didn't have original content, right? It was all wire fees, whatever that, all right, well, why don't you go do this? Have some fun with it. And I did a bunch of radio spots in the middle of my day, answering fantasy questions if the host had them, whatever. And a bunch of them wanted to make it a, a regular thing. So all of a sudden that became integrated in my job. At the same time, under cover of night, we launched a mailbag column because between, hey, this didn't work, you guys stink, all of this, we would get a, hey, who should I play in my second running back slot between these guys? And they didn't want us to answer them directly as part of the job, but it became a, we've got, we've got enough of these that are building up. What should we do with them? So we launched a mailbag thing under cover of night. It found an audience. And then bit by bit, Yahoo did more radio television kind of stuff. And, and I became, well, that. And eventually moved over to Fox sports to where I am. So local has always been one of the things to come back home and, and work. Now, I, I don't know that my soft California self could handle a winter anymore. So we may have. To <laughs> How much would that mean to you? I mean, if you haven't even done local radio, obviously you're very established and you've been with Fox sports radio for a long time. How much would it mean to you to actually do some local radio, whether it be here in Chicago or another market that you're looking at? Absolutely huge. I mean, there's a connection and a voice and a community. Like, and I think Jason and I have built a great community, right? With, with people that listen, that feed us stuff. We don't do phone calls. Like that's more, you know, the overnight guys do Ben Maller. He's got his cast of characters that call in and you know it uh, as, as soon as they introduce them. And, and that's solo show in the evening hours different for us we're covering games as they're finishing and storylines and whatever and maybe have one or two guests but we don't normally go to the phone calls and it's a lot of personality of us fighting against each other talking about movies or tv or whatever but we built a cool community there that get the inside jokes callbacks from five years ago which is great local radio is that on steroids at least from my estimation (laughs) Right. As I was walking around the town, right, you've got the, the glass 
fronts for some of the other folks in the marketplace and you wave and you say hi and they don't have no idea who you are but but it's those kind of things but you build that community you build that reputation right one our mutual friend mike north who i grew up listening to right my dad and i when he would drive me up to northwestern and dropping me off after a weekend home or whatever like north was was appointment listening and is appointment listening because few guys are going to be as honest right going back to the draymond and and ozzy comments we were having earlier like may not like it but it's authentic and you know having a chance to work with mike as i did you know at fox for a while we did a show together for a few months and occasionally we'd be paired up it meant the world and it's a guy that to me, I mean, that was the the voice and will always be the voice of sports talk. Chicago, maybe you could get some planning, but you're just getting started. You got a long time. Uh, to chase. <laughs> but but it's, it's just the idea that you build that, that relationship, right? Because you don't have to jump right into a topic. For Jason and I, it's two or three minutes, but right off the jump, and then we get into something. When you're in local, you could be like, Damn it, that drive was just ridiculous today. And you've got a bunch of people honking their horns or screaming out something with a bunch of uh, profanity going, yeah, you're right, it was. <laughs> and you can only do that locally, right? Saying, hey, the traffic is bad here in Southern California. If I got a guy driving down a two-lane highway in Indiana, that doesn't matter, right? Or a guy, you know, who's taking a train in Chicago or taking a train, you know, the, the train in New York or Boston or whatever. It, it doesn't resonate the same well. So, you know, knowing your audience and, and you do, and you also can't fake it. That's the, uh, that's the other part about local radio that appeals to me that you, you can't, you might get, have some circumstance whereby for a while, you know, Hey, he's lost a little on his fastball or whatever, but you love the personality, but eventually listening changes if if you feel like you're being snowed and, and it goes back to what we were saying before about you know the recent at least for the last 48 hours seems like the ability to criticize tony larusa came 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 oh the reins got opened a little bit but you, you know who's feeding you at the end of the day and you got to connect and folks are gonna even in, in national i mean you got guys that it's pretty clear they haven't watched a game of any team, player, whatever. For baseball, I understand it. For basketball, sure. For the NFL, there's no excuse the way the league is covered anymore, right? Especially primetime, isolated games. But, again, you can only get away with it so long before people just kind of shrug and go, all right, what's option B, C, D, or E? The local market, I think you have to earn it. And I think that's that's a pretty sweet thing. And being able to have that reputation, opportunity, and, you know, the hometown boy does good thing is always in the back of your head. Mike, before we finish up today, last question. What's the best trading card you've pulled recently? Any any genre? Ooh, 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 ooh. Let's see. I did open a box of jackass cards. <laughs> now, I don't even know they made those. Um, yeah. So it was a company called Zero Cool that put them out. And as I go to my handy dandy checklist, trying to remember what the hell I pulled. A couple of cool parallels in that one. But also uh, an Eric Andre autograph number to 50, which was pretty cool. Um, I've been going in and I haven't been buying as many sealed product. One I just got is the most ridiculous thing ever through target, you know, a couple of new NFL prism product, right? It's a great product retail wise, eh, not a lot of bang for your buck, but it was like, all right, I'll buy a couple packs just because, and like, I got cards that look like they have water damage on them. <laughs> like, how does that happen? <laughs> like what, what the hell kind of printing process do we have here? um but what i have done is i've got a local shop here in, in southern california that uh the owner of the they've got a couple of the businesses tied together one does repacks and all of that kind of stuff the other is the traditional mom and pop shop that's been there some 30 plus years uh he is a monster vintage guy 
So I've been talking with him and slowly picking up some of the old mantles and mazes. And look, you're not getting any discounts on Kofaxes or any of that here in California. But some of that stuff that I grew up wanting that I never had the funds for, right? I bought a Jordan rookie, you know, right before the huge run-up. Now I've decided I'm going to build that set. Because again, you know, it's one of those that you never had. So now it's, you know, put one off to the side. But yeah, I, I was actually thinking about making a run to the trading card shop later. We'll see what I find. Keep me updated. Mike Harmon, uh, thank you for hey, joining me. Crazy, John. You know that. <laughs> Thanks for coming on, Mike. Always a pleasure. Best wishes, of course, with Fox Sports Radio and looking forward to staying in touch and having you on again very soon. Sounded like you were offering me a job, too. But yeah, I, obviously, I'm very long-winded. So cut all of those answers in half, <laughs> and I think they'll still stand. I talked there with Mike Harmon. That'll do it for us today around Sports Talk Chicago. Big thank you to Mike Harmon himself, Matt Dubiel, WCKG, Jim DeTalvin, to Marvel Entertainment. Making this show a success. Remember, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at John Z Sports and on Facebook at John Zagluel. If you want to watch more of this show, search up Sports Talk Chicago. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, sportstalkchicago.com. Another great show comes away tomorrow. Thank you so much for listening. Till then, stay safe. So long, everyone.